I'm Kristen Kelly, and this is Mom School. Hey guys, I'm back from vacation, which means I can get some work done. And I think I'm the only person who gets excited to come back from vacation because I really wanted to re-listen to this episode and release it so you guys could hear my conversation with Kay Matthews. She is the founder of the Shades of Blue Project. And I've spoken a little bit about this on social media. And to be completely honest, I get uncomfortable and nervous talking about race because I've just kind of started my whole unlearning journey, uh, as some people call it. But, um, one of the issues that has stuck out to me in my reading and my watching shows and listening to podcasts is obviously the black maternal health and black maternal mental health issue, which is astounding. If you have not researched this issue, you should. And if you are a person with a heart and a functioning brain, you'll be outraged at the injustices that this group of women deal with on a daily basis. Black women are three to four times more likely to die during childbirth than a white woman. The rate of infant mortality within the black community is also staggeringly higher than the white community. Through my reading and research, I've come to the conclusion that this is due in part to implicit racial bias and also just a broken system, a broken healthcare system that doesn't value mothers or black mothers or black babies as much as they do other people. So with that said, I admit that I get, I get a little bit uncomfortable talking about race because I'm I don't want to misspeak, right? This is a really heavy issue and it sparks a lot of emotion and feelings. And I didn't grow up around any black people. I grew up around a bunch of white people. And I've learned over the last few years, more than I have in 32 years about race. And Kay Matthews shares her story in during our conversation. I love her so much. She is somebody who's experienced a horrendous trauma in losing her daughter. And I think I told her this, it takes a very special person to experience a heartbreak like that and then come out on the other side and not only heal from it, but help others heal. That is a rare breed of person, but it's those people who change the world. So with no further ado, here is my chat with Kay Matthews. one thing you own in this space is your story, right? It's yours. You can tell it or you don't tell it, right? I prefer to tell it because I know that I needed to hear someone else's story seven years ago. I delivered my daughter stillborn. Now, I would talk about the loss of my daughter. Even at that time, I wouldn't even refer to her as my daughter. I can do that now, right? But then it was just like the baby. That's all I would talk about. And I would realize that that was all I was talking about. But then I realized I also didn't have anything else to talk about. Because on that day, my life stopped. So what is it that I was supposed to be doing, right? That's why I struggled. Like, I would realize that I just had a whole conversation and had nothing to do with nothing but the baby. And people didn't understand that. If they would ask me, how can we help? Is there anything that we could do? If I don't know how to help myself, I can't tell you how to help me, right? Nobody believed that I had postpartum depression because I lost the baby, right? 
You mentioned that to me in our last conversation and that stuck with me. What was that a week ago? Mm -hmm. It is just such an example of how misguided the community is when it comes to women, mothers and postpartum mental health disorders. Like you think, because I don't have my child, I can't have postpartum. It's the most ridiculous thought, right? Right. It is. There's a process to all of these things. It's like we only, sometimes we come in in the middle, right? Like when we say, oh, well, she must be experiencing postpartum depression. Well, before postpartum depression, she had anxiety. She had baby blues. Like there's a step process to this whole thing. And the grief is separate. Like we have to treat these two things separately so then we can come back around with a plan to treat them together right but we haven't even mastered treating them separately let alone me trying to tell you we need to put it together in a bundle right I know Um, I cannot I just want to say I I can't imagine what that whole experience must have been like for you it just breaks my heart to think that not only you had to endure this but that you didn't have the support that you needed to heal What was your pregnancy like? I was a very busy woman, always been an entrepreneur. So go, go, go. I can tell you that there was really not like a real downtime where, you know, like now I watch pregnant women and I'll be like, oh, in the beginning, I didn't think about it. Like, oh, I should probably slow down and do this or what that looks like. None of that crossed my mind. I ran a successful catering business. One of the biggest parts, though, after giving birth that just changed me is that I just never realized how I was looked at, like, as far as, like, my treatment in the hospital. And I never just was like, okay, I'm a Black woman, Black woman, Black woman, Black woman, right? Like, I know I'm a Black woman. But my treatment after delivering my daughter, my experience with my OB, experiences with the hospital staff... I was like, dang, I'm a black woman. Like, what do you mean? The treatment was not okay. They would ask me random questions that made absolutely no sense to me. And I'm like, hmm, my OB after delivery act like I did not exist, even when I went up for like my follow up treatments. It was like, no baby, no nothing. I vividly remember her saying, like, hey, this was the first time that she had lost a baby during delivery. And I was like, you're lying. I knew that that was a lie. I was like, this can't be. So all of these things, it's kind of like being outside yourself and like knowing better and trying to figure out how can I take what I'm thinking outside and put it in together and like put something into play. I knew that she was lying. I knew that I just had just become another person and she would move on because she was in the business of delivering live babies, not dead babies. So your pregnancy, you were running a catering business. I'd imagine you're on your feet a lot, super busy, didn't take time to slow down. You're preparing to welcome a child. You're making money. Did you think that you were offered adequate prenatal care? Some, so, Mm -hmm. so, because it was all out of pocket. So were you paying for it? Like no insurance? There's a different treatment there. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Hold on. on. I'm starting to sweat a little bit. So you do not have health insurance while pregnant and you're paying out of pocket for your prenatal care. Mm -hmm. What? I live in Texas. Yeah, I live in Texas. The great state of Texas. There's a thing where you make 
a little bit over too much and that excludes you. And then afterwards, though, you know, when you're laying in the hospital, the caseworker comes in and they'll say, hey, would you like to sign up for this discount program? Not right now. Like, like, yeah, but no, it was all out of pocket. So if you don't mind my asking, I'm just curious. You go in for a prenatal visit. So I remember going in. I had complicated pregnancies, so I think I went into the doctor more often than usual, but what, you go in like every month, every three months or something? Mm-hmm. What would a visit like that every cost? Two. Oh, what would it cost? Mm, for like an ultrasound. So if you do an ultrasound, it's about $1,200. But you No, it is up. not. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, you can break it up. So then you kind of limit how many of those things that you get. But remember, I'm a business owner. I do it. It's more about the care versus the dollars at that time. So, so you're, I had you're the sacrificing a lot of yeah. money just because you want the good care. Right. It was always the bill first. And certainly when you're paying cash and there's no insurance carrier behind it, it's always the bill first. Well, it was with my OB. Let me say that. So to whatever level you are comfortable sharing, you went in to deliver your baby. And what happened? It was in a very traumatic way. I wasn't feeling good the night before. I, when I woke up the next morning, called 911 because I just felt like, shit, I really? really crappy. How far and along were you? This was at nine months. Then, You're you know, by yourself. Yeah. Ambulance comes. Now, my husband was a truck driver, so he was on the road. Okay. Ambulance come, kind of scary, call my mom and like, hey, yo, so I'm going to the hospital. And she's like, okay, she's, who did she send my sister is what happened. Eventually she came, but my sister was closer. I just remember being like really panicky. And then I went into shock because I was just like completely irate. I knew something was happening, didn't know what was happening. I was just like this person. Like, I just became enraged. Like, what's going on? Nobody's telling me. I don't like to not be told things. This is after you delivered. No, no, no. This is when I get to the hospital from the ambulance. (laughs) No, this is before. Delivery-wise, I couldn't tell you that part because I was completely out. I went into shock, and they couldn't calm me down. And the guy was like, okay, so I'm going to give you something. And that's all I remember. And when I woke up, I was in ICU because there was a blood infection. So when I delivered her, what was in the sack got into my bloodstream and made me sick. So, yeah, no, when I woke up, there was no baby. So they take you into an ambulance. They give you some sort of sedative or? No, this is once I got to. Oh, right. No, the senative came once I was there. And I was like, what's going on? Nobody's talking. Nobody's telling me. But everybody's running around doing a bunch of crazy shit. And nobody's saying anything. So I'm like, say something. I remember going for, they were doing like an ultrasound. And I remember the nurse talking to me. And she was like, you're going to be okay. She's like, I'm going to put my number in your bag. I remember her. Her name was Allison, which happens to be my mom's best friend's name. Her name was Allison. She's like, I'm going to put my number in your bag. She's like, just in case you need it. She was like, because when you come out of this, this is going to be brand new. That's the only in and out part that I remember is talking to Allison during this ultrasound and realizing that later when I was like fully 
awake and aware this is two weeks. You were in the ICU for two weeks? Mm-hmm. And what did they say happened? When my OB came and she told me what happened, and that's when we had the conversation about this being the first baby that she's lost, and I just didn't believe her. I was in my right mind enough to not believe her. What sort of support were these doctors offering you? I mean, you've, you've just oh, gone through nothing, hell. Nothing, nothing at all. When I left the hospital, which is one of the things that initially got me started, when I left the hospital, which was something they could have kept, the clothes I came in were in the bag and my discharge papers. There weren't any like pamphlets, information. You know, you go to the hospital, you're expecting, you always get a bag full of crap, right? Things you don't need, things you don't plan on ever reading. None of that crap was in my bag. The only thing that was in my bag was the clothes I came in with, which they could have trashed, and the discharge papers. That was all that was in my go-home bag. There was no, this is where you can seek therapy. Don't waste your time, Christian. No. There was I'm not. just, I'm literal. I, I am like... <laughs> No. Now you see my motivation. You acknowledge clearly that I lost the baby, but you're not acknowledging like how I'm feeling, like what I may need. So I don't necessarily feel like I needed more, but I did need something and I got nothing. I'm trying to imagine having gone through this, right? And I feel like physically sick even thinking about it. But to not have the answers, I think, is something that would make me irate. To be taken into the hospital and to not have the staff communicating with me as to what is happening? Is my baby okay? Am I okay? I feel like they didn't give you answers. You're right. They didn't. I understand that now in a bigger magnitude than I did at that time, but certainly not. I just became another patient in a bed and uh, waiting on that time to go home. That's And how do you even heal properly if you don't have the answers, right? I feel like if you you discharge me from the hospital, I don't have my baby. Mm -hmm. I need to know why I don't have my baby in order to start the healing journey. And I feel like you didn't even get that. I didn't. I knew that my mother had had postpartum depression and I knew that I had had depression in the past and anxiety. So I was very aware that I was at a high risk for developing postpartum depression, even having a live birth. Mm -hmm. I know your project talks about breaking down the cultural barriers in maternal mental health. What in your community is the thought process around maternal mental health and postpartum depression? What do you feel like your cultural barriers were in your being having conversations well having conversations with people who knew what I was talking about or knew like some place to direct me because the reason why you know some place to direct somebody or refer somebody is because you saw something or you heard something right if we're having these conversations then we do like even if it's a conversation it's not for me like if I overhear something and I'm like ooh. I know somebody that that could benefit, right? I hear that. And then down the line, I may run across somebody who needs that information, but that's because someone was talking about it. So we got to start talking about it and having conversation. Back in the day, I used to say, we need to start talking about our mental health like we do when we're going to go get our hair done or to go talking. As a matter of fact, I'm drinking from my coffee and conversations cup right now. I like that. Where I have these conversations, like if we are not talking about these things, we don't know they exist. 
Will you talk to me a bit about what the Shades of Blue Project offers women who have experienced a loss? I know that you've created a journaling program. I've just recently realized how incredibly therapeutic journaling is, but will you just tell me about what you have created? Five years is what I gave myself to develop a program that could work and that people could adapt to and it would feel real. It would feel like, oh, I can do this. I can move forward. I can, whatever you needed to do. And also something that family and friends could be like, hey, they got this thing that you can do, you know, like just creating things that I know that I needed. Like, what do you give a woman after her baby dies, right? Or what do you give a woman before maybe she didn't get to get get to the point where she had a baby shower or anything like that? What do you give her that's worth more than silence? And so we created a blue box. And so we send these blue boxes. I, I'm not excited to send them out, but I'm excited to send them out because I know that these women will have something that lets them know that, hey, we see you. You are acknowledged. You are a person. Your birth story matters. So we have these blue boxes that we send out that include like our journaling, coloring book, tissue, because the tears will come, a battery-operated candle. So, you know, the candle burns fail. All you do is replace the battery. And then the most significant two things in there is there's a card from me in my words. And then there's a card from a mom in her words that has experienced the loss. And then there's a charm in there that says mom, because the one thing that happens when you lose the baby is that you're not acknowledged as the mom. You don't feel like a mom. People may not tell you happy Mother's Day, all of those different things. Just a reminder that you are a mom. We operate from the voice of the women we encounter. Everything that we built is from women that I've encountered. Like I said, we're on our fourth journal. This last journal was me taking all of the feedback from our surveys, from our interactions and our support groups, and putting all of these ideas that these women gave us over time and creating one journal where they could feel like they see themselves or another woman can feel like, ooh, like this is so me. So we're going to kick off with the Inspire Walk. That Monday through Thursday will be our Black Maternal and Mental Health Summit. So it runs four days, 10 to 1 and 10 to 2, depending on which day you choose. We will be doing a Twitter chat on the first day. So we'll be doing a Twitter chat at 3 p.m. Eastern on Monday. And then on Tuesday, we will be having a congressional press briefing with Congresswoman Kelly's office, specifically around Black maternal mental health, because there's some policy out there that needs to get where it needs to be. So Mm -hmm. we'll be doing that on the 21st. And then Friday, we're going to have a mental health happy hour. So it's going to be a DJ live streaming. We're going to have our drinks. We're all going to have fun. And that's a text to give campaign. And then Saturday, we're going to close with a When Black Mamas Gather event, which we'll live stream, where we just have these candid conversations about what's happening in the world, what's happening in the space of maternal and mental health, what that looks like and how we move forward full circle. And so that's how we will close out the week. And anything that pops up in between, let me say that, because hopefully people will be inspired to do their own thing. And, and, you know, include us so we can share and all those type of things. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun week. And how else can people reach you? So we are on all social media. If you want to direct contact me, the website is the best way. Those emails come directly. They get filtered, but they'll end up with me. 
Or yeah, social media, because I'm very engaged on social media. So it's Shades the Blue Project all the way across the board, whether we're talking Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Even LinkedIn, if you're a professional and you want to reach out, I'm on LinkedIn as well. So I don't usually start talking after the episode. I usually just end with the guest talking, but I felt compelled to add a little bit here. So after I heard Kay's story, I could not wrap my head around how this happened to somebody. When I delivered my daughter and my son, my doctor was very lucky to have a doctor who is a close family friend and I was taken care of incredibly well. So the thought of going to the hospital and not being told what is wrong with me and being dismissed and not being told what is wrong with my baby, it's sort of unbelievable to me. I can't wrap my head around how that's acceptable. And if I were treated that way, I can guarantee you that I would too be irate and cause quite a scene. So I've spoken to several other black women and they have shared with me that one of the, not stereotypes, but one of the, I don't know, one of the judgments with black mothers is that they are non-compliant in the hospital. So they're not going to take your advice or, or listen to the rules, the guidelines, which of course is complete nonsense. I'm just imagining myself in her situation and how I would have lit the damn place on fire if I was not being told what was wrong with me. And then after losing my daughter to not be told why is infuriating. So I hope that this episode gave you a you know, a lot of it is like stats and numbers. Oh, black women are three to four times more likely to die in childbirth and the number of babies that pass away. This puts a face and a story and personalizes this issue. And I hope that it inspires you to open your mind and to support legislation that supports mothers and supports... Why am I getting emotional? Because I can't fucking imagine this happening. <clears throat> to me, it breaks my heart. But um, yeah, I hope that this was inspiring for you. Thank you for listening. I still don't know how to close a podcast. I need to listen to other podcasts and hear what they say, but like, like comment, subscribe or something. I don't know. Thank you. I love you guys. Bye. Bye.